0: the company's putting a big bet on you as well. Like they're saying, hey, we think you're one of our top performers. We reckon you can figure some of this stuff out. Let's go. And so, you know, if that excites you and if you're early in your career and you're like, hey, I'm at XYZ large organization, there's no way that's on the cards for the next 10 years. I quite like the idea of being moved internationally and having a crack at breaking some new challenges and some new markets, then um, startups can be a great place for that. Welcome to Startup Jobs, a podcast where we explore all the different jobs in a tech startup. What exactly are they
1: and what have we learned from scaling teams from the inside? While most startup content focuses on the founder or investor or specific area like marketing. This show is about accelerating your personal and career growth journey in whatever startup job is best for you. Yeah, exactly, Kyle. This show is about you. We want you to be the very best that you can be. Good to be back, Mike. <clears throat> um, today, we're chatting about travel and not not the sort of travel to Bali for, for a couple of bintangs on the beach right. kind of vibe. It's travel for work to relocate. Um, to Oh, wow. That's a big travel. Big travel. We're not talking about just going to
0: Sydney for the day. No,
1: no. So, it's picking yourself up and moving for a new job or for a, a new job in a company or sort of, you know, that sort of move. Relocation. Um, relocation. Uh, and and whether you should be looking for jobs in other markets uh, and whether you should take the opportunity to move mm. if you're in a company offering it. Um, you know, we had someone internally who's yeah, actually- I was going to say, how did this esoteric topic come up? <laughs> we actually had someone internally raise it uh, to me and say, hey, you know, they're actually, you know, we're moving them over to the US at the moment and yep. um, they're interested to- to know more about this, okay. um, so I thought this would be a good opportunity to do that.
0: So we'll definitely have a handful of listeners for those that are in totally. Yeah, exactly. And it, and
1: um and for anyone else who's considering this, you know, even um even someone sort of early on in their journey, looking at, hey, should I stay where I am or sort of move somewhere else? Right. In general, traveling for a job. Um, mm. Let's chat about it. What are you interested in? I'm I'm keen to. Keen to hear, I guess. Um, like, what's unique about startups? Like, let's start there, right? Okay. Um, you know, obviously, the show is about startup jobs. Yeah. Um, is there differences in opportunities here? Are there different reasons why you might move for a startup job or have the opportunity to move mm. versus a, a normal job? Let's Let's start there.
0: Okay. So, I've been fortunate to be really relocated a few times um, prior to my day job um, here now, running this startup, and. I would say one thing that stands out is in larger organizations, you tend to only get relocation, certainly international relocation as an opportunity once you're quite senior or unless you're very specialized, hyper-specialized. Yep. And so to kind of give you like some context, it probably costs, okay, just like back a napkin, probably costs the company roughly 100 thousand dollars to relocate someone wow. internationally now not initially but i think in its overall life cycle right so yeah. you gotta um organize all the visas you gotta pay for their you know re- um you know obviously flights and um and maybe you have a return flight every year um maybe they're with a partner so both partners maybe this with kids as mm-hmm. well you know when they land in that new country you can't just go oh you're on a local salary, good luck to you, Hope you know, they, you need to give them a bit of time to find local rent and, you know, get a car and get things set up so then you're paying... You know, Airbnb or hotel costs and a bunch of other things for the first few months. You may be relocating furniture across, like a whole bunch you, of stuff. Yeah, like there's just the, You know, there's maybe tax advice that you pay for, and so I think when you throw all of that in in the mix, yeah, it's 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 going to be a pretty chunky number, and so the company is going to make a, a a significant investment, um, and in 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 someone relocating and so in my experience in large organizations you know certainly at microsoft they offered me a relocation to singapore um out of australia and like you know you that they would tend to be you know pretty senior roles or 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 like extremely specialized so i think one of the things that's unique to startups is that we have relocated many times and will continue to uh you know people in their in their 20s god even in their early 20s uh early in in their role um where they're super talented um frankly they're super movable <laughs> like it's pretty yep. easy to to it's a lot easier to move in your early 20s before you're less you know, stuff. got kids in school and, yep. and mortgages and all the rest of it um but also like they know the business and they know who we are they know our values they mm. and and so it's a lot easier to send someone on a plane over into a new market um as part of that kind of breakthrough and so we'll We'll take those bets in a way that a, a large organisation won't. So, it's just like a you know a Google or a Salesforce or a Microsoft or what have you. They're not going to hire a CSM, you know, locally in the US and then offer them a transfer to the UK you yeah. know, or to Spain or something like that. It's just not going to happen. But if you're extremely senior and they need a, I don't know, a country managing director for, you know, Spain or, you know, Asia Pacific, sure, like they m- may offer that super senior role for someone in, you know, us to move across and so i think um that's that is really unique that you can be in the first five ten years of your career and be offered a relocation to a new market which you know frankly is like super exciting and super interesting and it's a whole new challenge and the company's putting a big bet on you as well like they're saying hey we think you're one of our top performers and we reckon you can figure some of this stuff out like let's go and so you know if that excites you and if you're early in your career and you're like hey I'm at XYZ large organization there's no way that's on the cards for the next 10 years I quite like the idea of you know being moved internationally and having a crack at you know breaking some new challenges and some new markets then um, startups can be a great place for that
1: yeah and let's just unpack that just slightly more just for for now just why why a big company you know wouldn't bet on someone junior makes a lot of sense Um, you know sort of early on in the pace yes um but I'm sure the costs aren't going to be, you know, 10x less for a startup. It's still going to cost a significant amount of money to move someone over. Sure. Maybe not 100k, um, if you're sort of more junior and and have less to move. But why is it still some, why is it something that a startup would consider moving mm. someone early on and not just hiring an AA or a CSM? In locally. the States. Yeah. Let's just unpack that yeah, one layer question.
0: Um, so, by the way, just even if it costs us lower, like I still think the 50 to 100K range is still right. Like, I, I can't see a world where we would move someone and relocate where it costs the company less than 50 grand. So, it's, it's, yeah. it's pretty chunky. Um, okay. So, why would we put a bet on someone who's 24, 25 early in their career? Like, why would we put a bet on them moving across? So, I think a few things. When you are got a new market, so let's say we're going to go like we are now for the yep. US market, right? Or let's just say we go, let's have a crack at the UK or this particular market with this new particular product. Mm. Um, or you may have a new product segment or a new value prop within a current market. Okay, obviously that's not an international relocation, but it's the same kind of putting a bet on someone. Yeah. So why would we put a bet on uh, that 25-year-old star uh, to move across? A few reasons. One, when you hire like cold off the street there is a significant ramp time for them to be productive in your world. Just all the basics, like just knowing value prop, knowing the customer, etc. And you don't know whether they're going to be a top performer aligned to your values. And you're not going to really know until the first three months, right? And, yep. and so if you sort of think of it from a risk um, point of view, if I hire the first... You know, couple of sales folks, or the first couple of yeah, customer success folks, or the first product folks, you know, in a market, um, and they don't know nothing about us. They know nothing about our culture. They know nothing about our customers. They know nothing about our value prop. It's probably going to take six. There's going to be a six month lag time to go. Is this a wrong hire problem, or is this a market problem, or is this like to try to figure that out? Too many variables. Hard. Yeah. Where if I send, uh, so let's just use Marlon as an example. So Marlon, we know, has proven to be an outstanding product um, manager and now product leader. And so we take that off the we take that off the table now. Like when he goes into the US yeah. and he's he's trying to work out some, you know, product market fit elements and what have you. I'm not in the back of my mind going. Like, is this valid feedback from Marlon? Has he proven himself yet? Yes, he already has. So mm-hmm. his feedback is going to be taken on board straight away. And so, okay, then there's adjustments to just be made about the market. I'm not trying to make adjustments on the person and also their capability because I already that's already a known quantity. <laughs> so I'm sort of like reducing you know, I'm reducing the known unknowns, right? As opposed to an unknown, unknown. It's like, okay, well, I know that this person's like really competent. I know this person is really good at this role. Uh, To use Ray Dalio terminology, they've got high levels of believability Mm. weighted around that particular topic. And so then it's just then a a market. So it's one less variable to work through.
1: That makes sense. And if you're looking at a sales force and they're hiring an AE in Spain, um, they probably have, you know, proven that market out and, and that's just a rinse and repeat job, um, whereas for us, we're trying to prove that market out, as you say. Yes. It's kind of like when you, you know, when you do a split test, right? Like you really only want to change the color of the button or right. the, the the sort of size of the image. You don't want to change much more because you can't point to if what's If you've got wrong. too much
0: going on, yeah, it's hard to figure out. Um, and you just Plus there's the ramp time. So I think ramp times also a really big deal, right? Mm. So I don't have to – with Marlin. we don't have to wait three, six months before they get their head around all things Zipline world. Just even also think about all the small bits of friction when you're new. Like, you don't know who to go to for different things internally. You don't know how different things work. Like, Marlon will be able to land in the US and if he needs some... um, some I don't know, some some research support around something around design. You know, he can pick up the phone and chat to Adam or ch- chat to Pete or, yeah. you know, if he gets stuck with something, he's already got a relationship with me or you know, obviously a great relationship with Tan May or whatever mm. it may be or like he's got he's got something where he's got to get a legal agreement done or he can just. You know, ping Ivan and clearly explain it to Ivan what's required, and then get that the next day. And and not saying that a new person can't do that, but they're not going to be fully ramped and fully competent, just even in internally being efficient and effective. You know, within sort of three six months.
1: The ambiguity exists in the market, but not in the role for that person. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Makes exactly. sense. Okay, so that's kind of um, that's some really good context for this conversation. Mm. Let's now spend the next part of this chat, um, maybe split in two areas. Mm. If you've been approached by the company to make that move. Yes. Or you're making this move sort of as, as for a new job, let's chat about first how to prepare and sort of research and think about the move ahead of time. Right. We don't have to get into the tactical sort of elements here, but high level, what, what to think about preparing for that move. Mm-hmm. Then once you're there, how to make the most of that. Right. And and sort of how to how to make yeah, make that situation work as well as how it can. How to be
0: successful in the market. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Okay, great. So the first point really is
1: like why
0: would a startup put a bet on someone relocating to a new market and why that's an exciting opportunity and now the second half is like how do you ensure that you're successful um great oh by the way on point one the company may tap you on the shoulder and say hey kaya i think you're a champ we're looking to set up a uk team do you want to be part of it and that that will often happen and that happened in the case uh like to use that that marlin example but i think it can also happen in in reverse so you know, you know what we're up to as a company. You have yeah. our strategy. Um, and you may say, actually, do you know what? Like I've got some life goals where I really want to, Mixed travel and experiencing the world with work. Mm. Uh, so hey, guys, like if you ever are thinking about a new market, or if you ever think, I'm, I'm putting up my hand. And I'm saying I'm willing to look at a range of different things. So sometimes letting the company know that you're highly movable and you're highly available, and that's something that you're interested in, um, makes it also possible for us mm. to think about who to kind of tap on the shoulder for various opportunities. Cool. So that's sort of like how relocation would happen and why it's super interesting in a startup. Um, okay, so you're 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 sort of Part two is how to ensure you're successful uh, or start being successful and preparing for landing in March. Yeah. Hmm. Okay, like I would say the number one thing, and certainly I remember taking this approach when we moved to Singapore, we being the family, um, and that is like deeply understanding the local culture. Interesting. And the local business culture in particular. And each country is different. With how they think about trust, how they think about risk, how they think about engaging with someone that they don't know that well, and also just how, like, frankly, banter and building rapport works um, is going to be very different in Singapore to Spain, to the UK, uh, to frankly even between US and and Australia. Like, there's going to be subtle nuances that matter uh, on those. Now, obviously, those local cultural elements particularly in business um and the most important thing in business is how does this other organization that we're engaging with make decisions i actually think that's probably the most important thing like how does this company or this organization that i'm working with decide is very different in a confucius based culture to a western based culture like quickly summarize an example of something that i figured out you know, within the first week or two of being on the ground and just chatting with people and sort of researching this stuff. It's like, okay, let's take American culture versus Confucius culture, right? So, Singaporean uh, type market. And one of the key differences is in like American Western business culture, we start by trusting first. And then only when you've underperformed do you break my trust. Interesting. So we go in guns blazing Mm. going, hell yeah, this is going to be an amazing partnership. Like we basically go in with happy puppy eyes Mm -hmm. and we're like, this rocks. Like this new product that I'm going to use, this new organization that I'm working with, like our default is 100% trust. Mm -hmm. That's like we walk in day one, 100% trust. And only until you screw up regularly and you drop the ball, do I go, ah, these bloody Acme company, they keep dropping the ball and then the trust is broken. It's innocent until proven guilty. (laughs) Yes. Confucius culture is the exact opposite. Right. So, there is no trust on day one. Yeah. It's like 0% trust. And then when you've proven yourself consistently over time, then over a year or two, they go, okay, now we've got the trust.
1: And ironically, a lot of their justice systems are guilty until proven (laughs) innocent.
0: Is that right? Yeah,
1: yeah, Yeah. So, there you go. Makes sense.
0: Interesting. So I remember like I was working on this one blockbuster um, partnership thing when I was at Microsoft. Uh, I won't name the specifics of the organization, but I was banging my head against the table with it. I was like, Man, this is a killer thing. Like, Microsoft's going to throw all these millions at you. We're going to do this. We're going to do that. Like, why on the earth can't these execs like agree to this? And like, why on earth aren't they? And I was like, used to, you know, an Australian or a Western or an American. British, um, you know, style business culture, and then it wasn't until within the first week or two that I unlocked that that I was like, oh, we we are gonna like a this is gonna take us longer than what I would like. Yeah. we're not gonna get this done in three months. It's gonna take us, unfortunately, you know, six to twelve months. And what we need to do is set up these mini bits of work. And deliver on it and show the trust and just show up a lot. And there's a bunch of stuff just in terms of um, also hyper-investing and a lot of like rapport building and just lots of time with mm. you know certain people where Americans don't need that as much. Like they're kind of like, you eh, know, you seem like a good person. Like we can kind of give a business deal a go um, without like deep, deep, deep rapport. Like I don't need to know all the details of your family and your history right. to get a business deal done. But in a lot of Confucianist cultures, that matters a lot.
1: Okay. Any other examples that jump to mind on, you know, the understanding of a a culture or working with locals? Yeah. I mean, I think, um,
0: so even if you just take an Aussie going to an American um, culture as an example, like the way uh, banter and building rapport is going to be, you know, different, right? Um, And, you know, how that, organization or culturally thinks yeah like about risk you know on those they're they're going to be different there are going to be like subtle nuances um and i think there's a there's a ways there's a whole heap of ways of like uh flushing that out one is obviously just reading the tea leaves like when you're in market but one of the things that i found really helpful is actually um yeah so first of all invest in a lot of like just figure out what all the local small talk is, you know, at the beginning of business meetings and stuff mm. like that. And if they're all chatting about NFL or NBA or, you know, whatever it may be, just get your head around. Yeah. That. Just, just invest in some of that. So you can at least participate and kind of be, you know, like them. Cause you know, it, unfortunately we still have, you know, three million years of source code where we're highly tribal, and we're basically looking at the other person going, "Do you have the same, you know, war paint colors as me?" You know, like, "Oh, you got a blue stripe there." Okay, you're safe. Like, I can, and and it just it's going to help you know lubricate those engagements and and um you know those meetings thereafter. Mm. And so yeah, I think investing in the kind of rapport building stuff. But then the final point that I mention on like understanding local culture is I often just really love under, like making the implicit explicit. So. You can do things like if you're, let's say you're working on a partnership agreement or, you know, you're, 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 you're showing a product mock-up and you're not quite too sure if it's resonating and normally you're reading tea leaves within your local cultural context, right? If you're mm. an Aussie in an American market or if you're, you know, British in a, um, you know, Spanish market, you're kind of reading their body language and what they're doing both in the meeting and after the meeting within your own local cultural context. Of course you can't help but do that. So what I find helpful to bust through that and to shortcut the um when you're kind of stuck and you're a bit confused, you're like, huh, like if that was happening in Australia, would like I'd probably see eyes light up and there'd be excitement and you know we'll do this and this would happen. That didn't seem to happen. Then like actually just ask why. Just like this is where you can kind of blame the hey like it may just be an Aussie thing, but I'm not quite too sure. Like when we did this like, you guys seem to be really excited and kind of, you know, one of that. Like, I don't quite understand. Can you just explain that to me? And in those, like, playing sort of dumb, if you will, uh, or just, like, being explicit about the implicit, you'll help flush out and you'll sort of learn some of those cultural nuances um, that sort of sit a little bit behind the hood. And sometimes they might not even be aware of it. That's what's interesting, right? Like, if you've ever had someone come from another country, spend some time, you know, here with... And they'll say, oh, you guys say whatever, like... You, you put this inflection in your words a lot, or yeah. you always make jokes about this, or yeah. you're always like saying this. Like sometimes you're not even aware of it
1: yourself. No worries. Probably a bizarre <laughs> thing to hear for a lot of people. Yeah, we can go go down that rabbit hole another time. Mm. Um, so in this sort of second second part of this ep on like how to be successful in this move. Yes, let's now end on you've got there. You know you're you're. You've rocked up, you landed at your Airbnb and sort of in the, the couple of weeks and months following, how do you seize that opportunity mm. and really sort of nail it? First of all, you
0: want to have a good experience there and that good experience is not just work in isolation and then Netflix on the couch outside of working. Right, And so, I think connecting with others like local expat community can be really useful or just getting connected to some kind of local community and is, is important. And so, yeah, for me, like when we went in Singapore, like it was really helpful just initially ha- connecting with other Aussies and you sort of go, well, are you just in a bubble, you know, within Singapore? But it's at least helpful to kind of just get comfortable in that local environment because it is very different. Like everything's going to be different. Going to the grocery store is different. Yeah, You know, going to the doctors is different, um, you know, just – Everything is a bit weird. Uh, Banking is different, Um, and and you can't get annoyed about those things. And that's one of the important things. Like, I remember in Singapore, you know, just the way that they would do some of the banking stuff would be really different to Australia. And I find myself getting really frustrated, like really, like why do I have to call this number and then punch in this like two-factor authentication, and then you want to like a wet signature on a piece of paper that you pick up you know like i got to send in the mail the next day like this can all be done online you know automatically automatically uh in my own like home country you you just have to accept it like you can't get annoyed about all that stuff like you can kind of have a bit of a laugh go oh, that's that's a bit different yeah good and bad but i think you want to connect you know with with other humans pretty quickly so whether that's other expats in the company whether that's you know finding other um you know local aussies if you're in a different market um in that industry you want to ask for other people like who should have just i'm new to this market who do you think I should connect with? Um, obviously going to sp- sp- like joining sporting stuff, joining community nice. stuff. Um, and I think like throwing yourself into events, like I found this really useful. Like literally, if you just go to Eventbrite, is it Eventbrite?
1: Yeah, eventbrite.com. Yeah,
0: yeah if you just go to these types of websites and just go oh, like Or Meetup. Yeah, Meetup. Meetup's the one I was thinking of. Like, yeah, there'll be something interesting happening in your local town. Um, you know, if you're in Sanford, there'll be a whole heap or wherever the market is. And um, yeah, just attending that and just allowing serendipity to kick in.
1: Yeah, I love um, this concept of kind of surface area. Um, A few people speak about it online of sort of spreading yourself across as many things as possible. So you're almost hacking your luck to run into people and make those connections. Yes. Um, Because I get what you're saying. There's so many things that you're, I guess, out of the comfort zone in when you make a move, like find some things that you can be in the comfort zone in and sort of allow those other areas to get that discomfort sort of finite energy, Yes, um, makes a lot of sense. And
0: frankly, you want it to feel like home as quickly as possible. Mm. And so, home and that feeling of like routines comes from things that aren't completely foreign. And I think allowing yourself to have a adjustment period of one to three months is going to be normal where like, um, <laughs> I remember going to this, like, cafe in Singapore and, like, our, uh, our our second child at the time, you know, she was a toddler and uh, she hated tomatoes, in you know, her ham, cheese and tomato mm. and would say to this cafe, oh, like, can we have that um, sandwich, but can we have it without tomato? And they were just like... It's blew their well. mind. They're like, no, but it's made with tomato. And we're like, you know, that's fine. Like, you don't have to make a whole new one. You can just, like, take that out. Oh, well, we don't really do that. We don't really have a process for that. And that was sort of, like... <laughs> you know, that was more their cultural understanding. Like when Australia it's like, it's literally no big deal just yeah. to make something up on the fly, change a process, what have you. But yeah, you know, they they're probably working in a scenario where we have processes for everything. Yes. And unless I was trained on it. There's I an, can't an SOP that. for that sandwich. Yeah. And we just broke it. Exactly. Up. Exactly. Yeah. And they were just kind of like, what's going And Rather than getting frustrated by it or going just, like, open the goddamn... Oh, fine. Like, give me the sandwich. And yeah. like I say, but getting frustrated with it, just like quickly realizing, oh, this is a bit, unique. You know, like this doesn't happen in my yeah. local culture. Um, just kind of rolling with it. So allowing that adjustment period of those first mm. few months um, is, is also important to kind of start making it feel like home and routine.
1: That's great. And, and just as you say, not... Coming in with an angry, frustrated sentiment, we're just fighting against that. And just curiosity—this is interesting. I'm except, learning something.
0: Except, except, and you'll find in every culture there's going to be stuff that they do. You know, like all my families in in Denmark, in Europe, and um, you know, every time we go back to Copenhagen or have you, like you'll find a bunch of stuff that they do. You kind of go, "Huh, oh, that's a bit unusual," but you'll also find so many things that are like, this is actually better than the way that we do stuff at home. And you'll find that in no matter what, like we were the same in Singapore, like this is great the way they do this. Like a, a quick example in Singapore, like you have your little e-toll, um, oh, yeah. your e-tag, and, and it synchronizes with every car park in the entire country and every toll and everything. And so it's like, you just drive into any car park in the entire country, the boom gate automatically opens. Wow. You've been there for 48 minutes, you just drive out and it automatically has figured out that costs you $1.48 and it deducts it from wow. the account. And so it's like, this is fucking brilliant. Like the, the country obviously said you're all using the same goddamn standard yeah. and it's going to work with the public tolls and it's going to work with private tolls and it's going to work with parking and it's going to oh, work with wow. all of this stuff. And it just felt magical. I was like, yeah. how the hell is this? How the hell is this happening? Like I could never imagine something like that happening in Australia. And so for the frustrations of can't take out the tomato in the, uh, yeah. in, in the sandwich, it's like, wow, but you have made this like, very complex thing exceptionally easy. Um, that's incredible. So, yeah, you've got to take, take the good with the bad.
1: But we'll see you at the bank on Tuesday for a wet signature. <laughs> exactly.
0: <laughs> and can you please uh, send me that letter? In fairness to Singapore, they have gotten a lot better at that. Um, Hong Kong hasn't. I'm uh, <laughs> still sending wet signatures to our bank in Hong Kong. But, hey, I've got a question to finish with you, Ooh. Kai. So I know you're thinking about moving to another capital city in Australia. Thinking of moving to Sydney. So quite a cultural adjustment. And Uh, one of the things that I think you do really well is, you know, build a community quite quickly and allow for that serendipity serendipity to kick in. Yeah. Maybe you can leave us with some tips on that point.
1: Well, um, no promises. I I I have sort of been considering the move to Sydney for a while and, um, and that's something that I'm super excited about doing. I'm, I'm a Perth boy and sort of have been here my whole life. Um, and getting over to Sydney, I think probably the biggest thing that I'm going to do is is look to the second degree connections that's um, a right idea. And, and sort of look at you know who the folks are here, which I may be directly connected with or that I can get the warm introduction to. Um, and sort of just start to build out those friendlies. Um, Mm -hmm. Like already sort of ahead of the move, we've got a couple of people um, recruited to do some, um, you know, inspections for some places and, you know, going over there, even just last week, scouting out some places, having some people to talk to about like, hey, where's, where's good, to, to live and you know mm. what about this place and um, just having some of those friendlies I think is um is a great <laughs> hack I mean, yeah. these
0: friendlies that are second connections are you getting them to look at apartments on your behalf and you don't even know them no
1: no so that's not that's <laughs> not that's not Bob's uncle that's <laughs> right. um that's that's some first degrees okay but, that's first degrees um, but even even just setting up those friendlies and, and, and building that out okay um,
0: can you just like f- leave us with how do you practically do that because I mean like that seems straightforward so yeah. my second degree Second degree, it's not rocket science either. But okay, sure. But like, you, you almost have to do a bit of a mini sales effort in terms of you got to think, you got to put a bit of structure to it. Obviously, you can allow like a couple of messages be sent out. But I'm yeah. curious as to how you set this up because you seem to have a pretty good, you know, broad network. And then if you're going to move to a new city, like you're focusing on these second degree second degree connections, et cetera, just practically how do you do it?
1: Yeah, I think um, – so I've got I've got a couple of friends who, like, I've got in Sydney mm-hmm. um, and, and a few people which I've sort of, like, connected with over time and, you know, different ways, been at events, been a part of you know, courses together and things like that. Um, I think just a, a really nice message to them and just saying, like, hey, like, you know, heading to Sydney in, in May, um, really excited to, to explore the area in the coming weeks when we're over there. Um, wondering if you'd be around, you know, for me to join you at your sort of favorite coffee shop. And so, I'll. And
0: you don't know this person at all.
1: You know, this, this person. Oh, it's a warm, it's, it's, it's like you're it's a mate a warm. of a, yeah, yeah, a yeah.
0: you're a friend or a friend.
1: Or I'll say, I'll say to my friend, you know, Bella, I'll say, Hey Bella, can you, can you shoot an introduction over to this person? Um, you know, like well, for, for whatever reason, sure. you know, like I know you know that real estate agent who's um, doing some good deals in Surrey Hills at the moment. <laughs> um, like I, I think, I think that's, that's a good principle. When we talk about sales, it's good principle and in but just sending that message um even like frankly something i've been i've been i've I've been really enjoying trying to hone my skill at is just completely sending a cold email
0: yeah
1: um like full stop like i'm going over and actually doing a trip to europe later this year which is exciting and um like popping through london gonna catch up with a couple of people who i've never met yeah but i just sent them a loom video on email Wow. it's just like, hey, just, you know, I'm, I'm this random dude, um, kind of you know, the 20-second spiel, I'm going to be in I'm London. I'm going be a little bit famous. I've got this podcast, you know, <laughs> check, um, check me out here. And <laughs> and But it's funny how, like, I'm just playing this sort of like, I'm still young and curious and yeah. naive card. Like a lot of people are willing to be like, hey, yeah, of course. Um, yeah. So I think even if you don't know anyone there, um, just taking some of the principles of, of sales is, is, is a great way to do it. Yeah, and
0: it reminds me of that episode. I forget uh, which one it was where we talked about you know the story, which was Adam's story. I actually got a text message uh, from Adam after I shared his story because I didn't mention it was it was him. Where yes. you know he reached out to fifty um, MDs exactly. and execs of advertising agencies and just sort of said, "Hey, I'm uh, recently finishing um, you know uni, yep. and I know I want to work for a, a, a big ad agency one day, but I just want to." I just want to hang out. Like it seems like you're doing some really interesting stuff, and you've done some like like What advice would you give to your 20 year old self? Mm. I'll come to wherever you are and buy you a coffee, and let's just like 15 minutes. Tell me all your tips. Um, you'll be surprised if if you do those outreaches, even to strangers, how willing people are to spend some time with you. If you're just a champ, going, "Hey, I'm moving into this big city. I don't yeah. really know anyone." I'm going to be doing this in the industry. It looks like you're doing that, so that could be another tip, right? Like as as in customer success now, you mm. could actually go to the top 20 organizations that you think are doing a good job. Um, you know, in terms of startups, you can just find other people's profile, like even very senior people, and just yeah. go, "How hey, moving to the city? Um, like, who should I know? Would love to. I'll you know, come to wherever you have your normal uh, coffee catch up, and it's my shout. 15 minutes, just yeah. like bunch of curious questions and people are more than happy to to spend that time with you.
1: Yep. Um, One last question for those who've sort of got to the end. (laughs) Um, If you were sort of in your early twenties and had sort of grown up in, in Australia, Mm. what would be the location you would be most excited to move to? I think there's
0: something still really exciting about the U S and that still would be my answer just Mm. because it's, it's so big it's so like the land of opportunity is very real and i think when you spend some time there you do get this sense of like i really can do anything and i can really take over (laughs) the world if my ambition is that you know is is big enough um and so i think from that perspective that's really exciting i think from other countries you know like an asian country or a european country it's great from a cultural perspective yeah um because it's just so different and you know i think you go on an accelerated learning journey uh there but from a an ambitious perspective. Um, yeah, I think you kind of can't go wrong in the U.S.
1: Um, Today has been a good, good deep dive in in moving and traveling, relocating for work. Mm. Um, I've learned a lot. Hopefully, you have, Marlon, and anyone else who's <laughs> is, uh, is considering a move. Nice. Thanks, Mike. Hey, thanks so much for listening to Startup Jobs. Uh, if something resonated with you in today's episode, please spread the love uh, and share it with someone in your network who might get something from it. Um, and while you're there, please leave us five stars on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. It really helps us out in spreading the show, uh, getting it into the ears of new people uh, wanting to get into startup jobs. Thank you for being here. We'll see you next time.